Hi, this is Colin from Worse in the Industry. We have a lot of laughs on our show, and we get in some pretty heated topics, so it's important to remember that the views expressed by the hosts of Worse in the Industry are our own, and in no way are representations of the views held by the Planet Ant Podcast Network or Planet Ant as an organization, even when we're right. Yell at us, not them. Thanks, and enjoy the show. This has been a production of Planet Ant Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Can I talk my shit now? I was playing two-hand touch, fuck it up, it's a hit now. When I hit the road, do a show, hit a lick, then I skip town. Run up in the spot, no dance, and I make them all get down. Boy, you better sit down. Yeah. Ain't nothing fancy, I'm still broke. Cross town like Yancey, I will throw. They say I'm in a spot they would kill for. I could put them in the wheel and they still won't. Of guilt, and now it's uh, you guys are actually accessories. If I ever do anything like that, I have no idea what you're talking about. Because it's premeditated. Met you before in my life. I've never met you in my life. We're really gonna catch. If here's the thing, if you're gonna if you're gonna catch a charge, you gotta catch first degree. It's accessories, Colin. We are a regular haberdashery, okay? We are nothing but accessories. You guys are cufflinks to a murderer. You're, you're uh, Tyler is an ascot to my murderer. We are a tasteful bifold wallet to murder. Bifold, the only way to go. It's I don't know, man. Our our, our friend gave gifted us wallets for his uh, his wedding a few years ago, and I have never gone back to the bifold after that. I, uh, I went back and I got I just straight up got another card pocket after that one. I don't think the bifolds problem. are real. I mean, you either like men or you like women. Come on, you got to <laughs> pick. <laughs> 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 right. uh, I like I like to chill off of him with a bad joke every so often. You got to you got to destroy the momentum so that you can, can continue. It's you got to you got to stop before we can truly pivot to start the show. There you go. Uh, hey, hi, hello, and welcome back once again to Worst in the Industry, the show where these three emptied wallets of various sizes attempt to fill ourselves up and redistribute the wealth of truth out to the public that is you, our listeners. Uh, my name is Justin St. Peter, and I will be here for the uh, the card pocket wallet until the end of time to my left. It's uh, Colin Stanley. I'm more of a pansexual money clip, if you will. To my left, uh, my name's Tyler, and I guess it's a good time to announce our first sponsor, Ridge Wallet. Uh, Ridge Wallet. That's not true. I wish it was. No, yeah, kidding. we can't. I don't even know if we can joke about that. Ridge Wallet is when you get your dick really hard, but then you still fold it in half in the middle. Oh, no, that's so Ridge a Shadow penile Legends. fracture. Yeah, a Ridge Wallet. <laughs> Raid Shadow Legends. Raid Shadow Legends. Manscaped. Manscaped. Uh, Casper right. mattresses. Uh, what's the uh, what's the 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 Skillshare? No Skillshare. Skillshare. Uh, Nord we can just be shills for malware. Blue Chew. Yep. Uh, Blue Chew. Diet Smoke. Um, keeps. That's keeps, a, uh, keeps. Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. It's an old Adam and Eve one in a long time. I, they might have gone out of business. <laughs> no, giving, uh, dildos are never going out of business. You're paying so giving, many podcasts for advertisements. I doubt it's driving more enough traffic if you own a fucking away all those plastic cock store. I know, 
I think at the last time I heard a Adam and Eve uh, commercial, they were giving away like 18 free things with any purchase. They're like, please take it. It's yeah. it's we're being charged monthly by the warehouse, yeah. and not enough people we are buying. Warehouses full of dildos and porn DVDs. Please, that. somebody take them. It's either that or like dildo production costs are way lower than we anticipated, and the overhead yeah, on like just a, a single dong is just so low, and the profit margin is so high. They can just give everything away for free. Well, here, I mean, no, the profit margin is not very, because these things are silicon, they're heavy, that means they're difficult to ship, they're irregularly shaped, so they're difficult to package and store. Like, everything about it is is a way to lose money, and they're fucking paying uh, these goddamn internet microphone chimps, like it's, they're made of fucking money. This, this is what happens, Adam and Eve. That's why you should sponsor us here at Worst yeah, of the give, Industry, because we're really committed to providing a quality pitching experience to all of our donors. Yeah. Um, so enough with uh, enough of Wiener talk with the boys. Um, Tyler, <laughs> I believe you have an episode. For us. <laughs> That's my local radio morning show. Wiener talk Wiener. with the boys. Wiener talk with the boys. Yeah. So uh, today we got a fun one. Uh, I know when I say that, it generally means it's horrifying. Yeah, it means that I should be drinking right now. Yeah. Uh, and in, indeed, it is. Damn it. So, God damn it. <laughs> Why do we have to be so, right? Tyler, you said it was going to be fun, and I thought you were serious. <laughs> oh, it'll be fun. So, in 1823, there was a uh, little thing that came out called the Monroe Doctrine. I don't know if you got God damn it. God fucking damn it. You motherfucker. One of the single most disastrous pieces of legislation in the world and in world history. It's, I, I don't know if it's disastrous. It's, so uh, this uh, doctrine from President James Monroe set uh, the stage to prevent European nations from intervening in the Americas, and that being North and South America. Because uh, we wanted inter- to do that. Yeah, exactly. Because that, that was the golden circle. Any intervention by the Europeans would be considered a hostile act towards the United States. What President Monroe did not know, or possibly did, was that this gave the United States a free pass to sovereign nations in the American continents to set up puppet governments, invade, and commit other acts of unscrupulous goonery as they see fit. President Monroe put it best when he said, quote, the new world and the old world will remain separate spheres of influence. From here, spawning what would be referred to as Manifest Destiny from History.com, quote, History.com? Come on, yep. Tyler. God they, damn they, it. It was the most concise way of putting Manifest Destiny. Don't fucking interrupt my quotes, motherfucker. <laughs> quote, Manifest Destiny, a praise coined in 1845 was the idea that the united states is destined by god its advocates believed to expand its dominion and spread democracy and capitalism across the entire north american north american continent but it did not stop there most people think that this ideology stopped at the roaring tides of the pacific ocean or the divide of the rio Grande. But I know our dear listeners are too smart for that. They know the vast tentacles of the octopus that is the United States foreign intervention policy greatly reaches past our borders and drowns all that entangles. Today, I'll be talking about these. I knew it, you motherfucker. Uh, I knew it. I called it. Uh, Tyler is holding up a blank for scale. Um, 
He's he's got a got a great big old. Why does that banana, banana look so hands? huge in your hands, Tyler? Because he's got those tiny little China doll hands. Those are good. They're the, his little chi- those little porcelain man hands. Gotta be, and I do say porcelain man like uh like one of those uh, ventriloquist dummies. Uh, it's it's they gotta be great for like posing your cock in a picture, right? Because it's like. For me, I'm fat, so I gotta push. I gotta push all that f- fat down. Yeah, you, you don't like the gotta suck down. You gotta to suck expose in. the rest of it. When people think of bananas, they probably think of a low-priced, nutritious fruit that the United States alone consumes 60 million pounds of every year. What would seem like the perfect food? It has its own natural wrapper, if you will, okay, which is biodegradable. <laughs> it's high in many different vitamins and minerals. Tastes good. And keeps well for long periods of time. When they start going bad, make fucking banana bread. I mean, come on. Well, I mean, okay, Ooh, I so being banana. able to make banana bread out of them doesn't mean they keep. Yeah, they keep. I mean, if you, if you put them in the fridge, they keep longer. Yeah. Uh, this is just a, this is a non-banana household. So. Oh, you're disgusting. Bananas, bananas are the perfect hangover food because they're full of uh, potassium. And, uh, you, you know, have like a little glass of water. Fucking banana, you're ready for the day. Also... Uh, if you do it the way I do, they can come out in one piece. Yep. So, I bet people are, are have wondered in the past, after all it takes to get bananas here, how are they so inexpensive? Apples are grown here and cost twice as much. After cultivation, taking ships, trains, trucks across multiple international borders, and they still come to half the price of an apple. Well, dear listeners, today we'll be talking about the price we, humanity, have paid for this fruit. And the cost is unimaginable. Let me start by naming my main sources. They are the documentary Banana Land, Blood, Bullets, and Poison, and The United States and the Politics of Trade, The Banana War with Europe and the Caribbean by Nalia Boudou. So, let's start off, uh, 1871, a man named Henry Meigs, he was a railroad magnet, was commissioned by the Costa Rican government to build a railroad from the capital city of San Jose to Limon, which is the largest port city in the country and was situated on the Caribbean side of the country. He was assisted by his nephew, Minor Keith, who took the project on in 1877 when Meigs died. So Minor Keith had an issue with the construction being that the people who were doing the absolute backbreaking work of building a railroad were still human beings and needed to be fed. Under this suggestion, uh, they started planting banana trees along the railroad route, which would offer an incredibly cheap and plentiful food source for the workers. The government of Costa Rica defaulted on their uh, payments to other countries in 1882, and Minor Keith had to borrow $1.4 million, or about $40 million in today's money, to continue the construction. He also renegotiated Costa Rica's debt and in 1884 was awarded 800,000 acres or approximately 605,000 football fields of tax-free land across the railroad as well as a 99-year lease on the operation of the train. The train route was completed in 1890 but proved to not be as profitable as he would like. What was profitable was using the train to move bananas to Limon and shipping them to the United States. So he set up the Tropical Trading and Transport Company to do just that. Now, 1899 rolled around. Keith lost $1.5 million when a broker, Hodel & Co., went bankrupt. <laughs> I'm sorry. Decided... I'm sorry, Tyler. I, I don't mean to interrupt. What was the fucking name that you just said? Hodel & Co. Hodel. Ho- Hodel? Yeah, H-O-A-D-L-E. 
Are you fucking kidding me? No. No, it's it's fucking stockbroker. <laughs> so they went bankrupt, and uh, he decided to merge his banana company with his number one competitor, the Boston Fruit Company, forming what would be known as the United Fruit Company, hmm. or what would be known to the people in the region, El Pupo, or the octopus. The devil. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the devil. He's, he's the so, fucking devil. 1899 was a pivotal year for the United States, and even more for the subject of the episode. Not only was United Fruit formed, but it was also the same year that the United States first invaded Cuba. To an eventual president, Woodrow Wilson's words, quote, make the world safe for democracy. And the president <laughs> at the time, William McKinley, declared the United States General Leonard Wood had supreme power in Cuba. And guess what? That guy was part of the, quote, and I say big quotes, Rough Riders with Theodore Roosevelt because they were all a bunch of big pussies. Nancy boys, also Woodrow Wilson talking about democracy. The president who made all the black servants in the White House hide when he walked around because he hated black people so much he didn't want to see them. Yeah. I mean, he, he likes making profits off of At it. least he got a stroke. At least he mm -hmm. stroked out halfway through his second fucking term. Uh, it's a shame it, was, yeah. it wasn't more painful. I'm sure it's incredibly painful to be trapped in the flesh prison that was his body towards the end. So, these two actions, seemingly unrelated, would set the course for the monstrosity that is unrelated meddling, unregulated meddling in other countries in search of profit. So let me set the stage for you here. November 1928, Santa Marta, Colombia. A man by the name of Miguel Mendez was president, and he was having a little bit of an issue uh, with banana plantation workers going on strike. What? 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 It's, <laughs> it's Tyler. What could these plantation workers Tyler. possibly have to complain about? God okay, I, I know. What in the world could they possibly complain? They're making, they're growing bananas. What could be more whimsical than growing and harvesting bananas, Tyler? It's the greatest yep. job in the world. It's got to be mm -hmm. the best job in the world. So. Their demands were, number one, stop the practice of hiring through subcontractors. That, that, that's reasonable. Number two, mandatory collective insurance. Number three, compensation for work accidents. Because if people don't know, uh, banana cultivation is incredibly dangerous. <laughs> what? Tyler! You, number four. You're blowing my mind, man! I know. Number four, hygienic dormitories and a six-day, eight-hour work week. What I love six days, six days in a row, eight hours a day. That is that is their demand. Like, okay, it's what you have That's us working is harsh. So we just want to work six days in a row, eight hours a day in the sweltering equatorial fucking sun, uh, as we chop these fucking banana trees down with machetes, trying not to cut our own fucking limbs off or get crushed to death. It's great. Yeah. Uh. Increase in daily pay for workers who earned less than 100 pesos per month. Wow. You were doing all this fucking work and you're not even making 100 pesos a month. A month. Yeah, a, mo a month. Jesus, fuck. Uh, they wanted to get paid weekly. <laughs> uh, they wanted to abolish the office stores. They wanted to get rid of payment through coupons to those stores rather than actual money. Okay, so no, you know, and they, you, wanted you, to they don't want to be paid in script. Yeah, and they wanted to improve hospital services. Basically, it was like, 
like the same thing happened to railroad like railroad workers here when they were building the uh like transcontinental railroads and shit like that it was just you didn't get paid money you got paid in coupons and then you spent those coupons at the store yeah. that the company who is paying you owns yeah it's company so it's basically house, yeah it's it's, own, it's yeah it's basically like a dave and busters it's basically or you or you know america <laughs> all the time it's i like that we're also moving back towards that model or you see like these tech companies they're like we're building dorms and we're building like a little town and uh we took this contract from the local government to build all their infrastructure and it's like that's bad does anybody does everybody see that this is bad it's we tried this it didn't work it was terrible yep so uh that to me sounds like communism so (laughs) 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 you piece of shit wow (laughs) So, what can a corporate glory hole slut like Menendez uh, do? To- <laughs> you can't just you can't just say that and keep moving. Corporate there's there's no amount of momentum in the world that would let that get past us. Oh, God, yes. So this so, this corporate bukkake whore, corporate this uh, this this uh cum dumpster. Yeah. So, what can this corporate glory hole slut like Mendez do to quell these dirty fucking communists? Who <laughs> are asking to work a little bit less, to get paid enough to eat, and to not get paid in fake company money that they can only spend at the company store. <laughs> yeah, that's communism. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's some commie bullshit. So, so, what's the only way that you can uh, solve this problem? Send in the army. Yeah, start killing people. Yeah. Start shooting them. Yeah violence it is always the answer it works so 300 soldiers were sent to the area and they set up machine guns on the roofs of buildings overlooking the entire main square where the strike was going on the strikers were given a five minute warning to disperse and then they were promptly opened fire upon killing men women and children so uh, the u.s army never does that that was uh december 5th and 6th of 1928 from the so of here is a telegram from the uh, U.S. Embassy in Batoga, Costa Rica, to the U.S. Secretary of State Frank B. Kellogg, dated December fifth, nineteen twenty-eight. I've been following Santa Mark the fruit strike <laughs> through the United Fruit Company representative here, also through the Minister of Foreign Affairs, who on Saturday told me the government would send additional troops and would arrest all the strike leaders and transport them to a prison in Cartagena. That the government would give adequate protection to American interests involved. Uh, and here's a telegram from the Santa Marta Consulate to the U.S. Secretary of State, dated December 6th, 1928. Stated, Feeling against the government by the proletariat, which has shared some of the soldiers, is high, and, I, and it is doubtful if we can depend on the Colombian government for protection. May I respectfully request that my request for presence within calling distance of an American warship be granted, and that it stand off subject to my call. It is admitted that the character of the strike has changed, and that the disturbance of this manifestation... It is admitted that the character of the strike is changed, and the disturbance is a manifestation within a subversive tendency. And uh, here is a telegram from December 7th, 1928. So, day after the massacre. 
Situation outside the Santa Marta City unquestionably very serious. Outside zone is a revolt. Military who have orders to, quote, not spare ammunition. have already killed and wounded about 50 strikers. Government now in talks of a general offensive against strikers as soon as all troop ships arrive early next week. And the final one uh, to the U.S. Secretary of State, dated January 16, 1929, said, I have the honor to report that the Batoga representative of the United Fruit Company told me yesterday that the total number of strikers killed by the Colombian military exceeded 1,000. They are unsure of a total number of people killed because they got uh, moved to mass graves immediately. Uh, and it's somewhere in between 54 and 2,000 people. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's literally thousands. There's a, there's a really, I hesitate to say, fun, but there's a fun book called A uh, Hundred Years of Solitude that's originally mm -hmm. written in Spanish. And it's like, this, it's like a surrealist uh, fiction book. Uh, but in the book, there is a massacre of plantation, uh, striking plantation workers that's meant to kind of mirror um, this exact, this massacre. Uh, it's really yeah, interesting. Yeah. Also, I feel like it should be noted, this is like peak O&I shit. So like, there's like American intelligence, both corporate and government, like interwoven in all this shit. Like, that's yeah. why they're communicating so directly is because there's corporate interest, like, like we talked about in the oil series, because... Uh, like Rockefeller and all them had money in in the United Fruit Company and had money in all, in oh, yeah, all these fucking all companies. Um, so they were also sending like their intelligence goons, like their fucking murdering spies down into Costa Rica to like cause trouble and and like stir up shit and be, uh, you know, uh, argent provocateurs. Costa Rica, Colombia, Nicaragua. Good thing we stopped doing that uh, in the early 1900s and never did anything like that ever again, right, Tyler? Yeah, you know, these, these we, yeah we learned that our are lesson. Still under massive amounts of unrest and have been. Venezuela, I hardly know her. <laughs> so, let's talk about a man by the name of uh, Yacabo Arbenz. He was the 25th president of Guatemala. And he had a rocky relationship with the United Fruit Company. <laughs> what? Yeah, a, a little, bit, little bit of a, a little bit of a rocky relationship. Uh, so he ran on the promise of taking back United Fruit's uncultivated land and redistribu redistributing it to the people. Kami. So United Fruit owned a literal shit ton of land, and they only cultivated on fifteen percent of it. Mm-hmm. One five percent, fifteen percent. So they were like, "Yeah, why doesn't the why don't we just like buy that back?" There's hey, there's then, like, there's people that uh, don't have houses and are yeah. homeless or uh, are trying to scratch out a living for themselves and are like ready and willing to be farmers and like work this land. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So that was the promise that he ran on, and he won. Uh, Arbenz offered to buy this cult, uh, this uncultivated land totaling 200,000 acres for $2.99 per acre, which was just under $600,000, which was double what United Fruit paid for it when they bought the property. So he's so, not even saying, oh, like, like they did uh, in you know Cuba after the revolution when they seized a bunch of land and redistributed it. He's like, I'll pay you. I'll pay you literally double. Yeah, he's like, I'll, he I'll pay you double what you paid for. A great deal, too. A great deal. Yeah. So... He offered $600,000 for this land, and uh, United Fruit gave him the big old go fuck yourself, 
and came back with a counter offer of over $16 million. <laughs> That's the market at work, baby. Yeah. And uh, the funny thing is they were like, yeah, that's worth $16 million to us. And <laughs> United Fruits revenue that year was double Guatemala's entire GDP. Yeah, so it's it's not a real offer. They're not saying like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, pay, we're at $16 million. That's our going rate. They're like, they just picked a number that they knew they could never afford. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because they it's a, it's as much about power and domination as it is about humiliation. Entirely, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Just telling them to go fuck themselves. Yep. So this is when old friends of the pod, Secretary of State John Foster and CIA Director uh, Alan Dulles, uh, uh, future CIA Director I Alan always, Dulles. I always imagine pre OSS days. It, it, no, this is uh nineteen nineteen. Uh, sorry, this is in nineteen fifty three. Oh, this is fifty three. Okay, so, so this yeah, is this post, is CIA. CIA. Yeah. Yep, this is when he is the CIA director and uh, John Foster Dulles is the Secretary of State. I always imagine uh, the Dulles brothers as the two, uh, like, diapered brothers from Nothing But Trouble. Mm -hmm. That's what they always look like to me. So they decided this dude needs to go. This guy's got to, you know, like, they, they were at the bar... And the dude's talking mad shit, and he somebody's like, you know what? Somebody needs to get their mans, get their mans, also get him fuck out Guatemala, of Guatemala, super close to Cuba, and we're pretty annoyed about what's happening there. Yep. So, not only was this incident the issue, uh, our Benz also earlier in his presidency, I think a year before that, supported the United Fruit Workers going on strike. Kami. Kami. Now the now socialist the agitator. Brothers, the Dulles brothers were very interested in protecting the profits of the United Fruit from the demonic spindly fingers of communism because they were on the United Fruit payroll for 38 years. Yeah, I mean, they've been making millions off of United Fruit their whole lives. It's not like yep. them and their friends, you know, uh, and their friends, friends, and what, their uh, George H.W. Bush, not like they were, you know, uh, all like making a ton of money off of killing people in the global south and had been in their entire lives it's crazy Tyler. Mm-hmm. you're crazy you, you ever think so, you ever hear uh, that you're crazy <laughs> i know i'm crazy so um quote here quote quote john foster dulles who represented united fruit while he was a law partner at sullivan and cromwell he negotiated that crucial united fruit deal with the guatemalan officials in the 1930s was secretary of state under eisenhower and his brother, Alan, who did legal work for the company and sat on its board of directors, was head of the CIA under Eisenhower. Henry Cabot Lodge, who was American, America's ambassador to the UN, was a large owner in United Fruit stock. Ed Whitman, the United Fruit PR man, was married to Ann Whitman, Dwight Eisenhower's personal secretary. You could not see these connections until you could, and then you could not, st- not stop seeing them. So it, it's, it's, everybody's, everybody's connected here. It's, it's like... Tyler, the deep state is a fascist right-wing conspiracy that's never had a lick of truth to it. And I need you to stop peddling it. Well, (laughs) their their version of the deep state's a little fucked up. Their deep state is fake. This is the real deep state. This is like, oh, oh, a bunch of, like, lawyers and, uh, like, financiers uh, who are fucking wasps and in government also decided to use their jobs in government to make money. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy well, they would do that. You know, 
Klaus Schwab wants to destroy. Oh all my god! I don't want to fucking hear. Don't make me hear that fucking name. Please do not ever fucking say that again. Klaus Schwab. I fucking hate you. Schwab. They don't. He doesn't even know who he is. Yeah. He. No, does, I don't know. Schwab. What'd you say? Klaus Schwab. Klaus Schwab. He founded. Uh, it's does. You know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna fucking do this. I'm not gonna. He's like a. He's like a German bank magnet. Yeah, he's, he's... I can a... taste Colin's blood pressure. Klaus Schwab, like, was one of the guys who made, like, the Davos thing. Like, that, that yearly meeting where rich people are like, man, we need to keep making money. How do we keep doing that? Uh, he was, like, one of the guys who, like, founded that. And because he's one of the guys that founded that, Alex Jones and his circle of dog-brained, mouth-breathing uh, morons have assigned him as one of the globalist, one of the mouthpieces for the globalist uh, New World Order agenda. Also, ah, Alex Jones cannot do a German accent to save his life. Alex Jones can't do any accent. To he save sounds his life. like if Conan the Barbarian had a learning disability. <laughs> so, what is best in life, Conan? I like cosmic brownie. I like, I like the green doll jello with pineapple in it. That's a better impression than I'm doing. So, in August 1953, a CIA operation to overthrow our Benz was authorized by President Eisenhower. You can look this up. Operation PB Success. Peanut butter success. Peanut, Peanut butter, butter success. success. James Jesus yeah, Angleton pulling his fucking shoelaces out to strangle a Guatemalan child. It's a shitty name. Not everything can be Operation Midnight Climax. Operation Mongoose. Um, Operation Mongoose. I, li I like Operation Artichoke and Operation Mongoose. Those are pretty good. Yeah. So, uh, their man who they wanted to take over the Guatemalan government was named Carlos Castillo Armas. And I'm going to send you a picture of him. Keep in mind, this is 1953. And you guys tell me what the issue with this is here. Even odds, this guy yeah. looks like the Pringles man or Adolf Hitler. You guys... Oh! Look at this <laughs> oh, yeah! Oh, yeah, Adolf, yeah. He's, got, right. he's got the Tom chaplain. Tom. He's got the chaplain going he's, he's hard. Chaplain. He's also got the piercing stare of somebody that hasn't had sex in a very long time. Yeah, yeah. You guys, you guys, explain what the issue is to our listeners. Uh, he's he's like a Nazi fetishist. Yeah, it's he he straight up is wearing the Hitler mustache in 1953. Which uh, like it. Uh. Oh man. <laughs> oh, it's it's very Hitler. It's like he's dressing like Hitler on purpose. I'm sure it's that's weird. just a coincidence. It has nothing to do with his politics. I bet he's. No, uh, there's no way. I bet he doesn't have a a uh, a strangely brutally nationalist uh, agenda that would end up subjugating so many people that he would need the U.S. to step in later to keep him from being deposed. I'm sure that doesn't happen. I'm sure there's not a bunch of uh, Cuban counter-revolutionaries that get trained in his country to be shipped out to overthrow the Cuban government uh, during the Bay of Pigs invasion. I'm sure that never happens. I'm just speculating. Yes. This is all wild speculation and not confirmed by declassified CIA documents. So I could not, I could literally not even make a character caricature of a man that I picture the CIA to, to pick. And this is it. They call me Carlos Garbos. Ar 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 like 
I fucking can't believe they they picked this guy. What do you mean you can't? So, this is the exact guy they would pick. What do you mean you I can't know. believe they picked this guy? I, I can't. No, it's not that I can't believe they picked him. It's that I can't believe they found a guy that looks like they're good. If they could dig Hitler guy. up and reanimate his corpse, they would have put him in charge of Honduras. Like he's clearly this is what they want to do. That Operation Paperclip, they helped funnel a bunch of Nazis into South America so they would have people in charge of government there. Yep. So, um, so they picked this guy to lead the operation. Uh, he got ex exiled from Guatemala uh, for a failed coup in 1949. So, Armas had about 150 mercenaries. Uh, and in 1954, the government of Guatemala was made aware that the, quote, government of the North was attempting to sow a revolution in their country. Uh, the United States government denied this, and the U.S. media united in the claims that of Arbenz being a dirty commie. I mean, it's real easy to do that when you're all on the Pentagon payroll, but... And I, I think I think this shouldn't have to be said, um, but I'm going to say it anyway because it's like, it's kind of, I guess it's, it is kind of poignant in this regard. Um, Arbenz, very much so not a communist, very critical no. of Castro um, when he took over Cuba and, and like had a lot of critiques about communism. He was by no means a communist. He was a socialist to an extent in that he liked having, uh, you know, constituents that were alive. Um, so yeah. I guess that does make him a socialist in that way. Um, yeah, but generally you, uh, you as a president don't want your people starving to death constantly yeah he was if if you look at actual politics and not through the, the psychotic lens of like the anglosphere where like being decent in any way makes you a far left commie um this guy was like a like a moderate he was much closer to like um like you know uh there's not a great example uh kind of like i guess bernie sanders is like a close equivalent because they like it's similar policies they're a similar part where they're not very far left but you know again they don't like when people uh that uh put them in power starve to death or uh have to live in severe squalor uh for yeah. no reason i mean where we're at on the overton window of governments uh he's the closest thing we got yeah so guatemala didn't have a lot of countries to choose from when they were buying weapons what because the united states said no we're not selling you germany yeah. and uk and like everybody why wouldn't they do that kind of... i thought i thought i thought germany also didn't like uh like right wing because they had a whole thing where there was like a right wing government that took over and then all those guys they got kicked out of power right yeah well so they decided to source their weapons from czechoslovakia Just... which not a not a good look when somebody's accusing you of 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 uh, the communist takeover i mean that's yeah. the thing right is like the soviet <laughs> union at the time uh was very 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 careful about who they were going to you know like after the soviet union forms um they very quickly abandoned like that constant revolutionary ideal and they get very uh careful about who they give arms to and who they give money to and who they give oil to because the u.s is just looking for excuses um and the soviet union does not want to give one that it can't um protect and guatemala it definitely can't protect yeah yep 
so the U.S. saw this as, quote, an action establishing a communist beachhead in the Americas and saw this as a perfect opportunity to start their coup. Yeah. Exactly. You know what? Time Give is a... right. Moon is full. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you fucking casually lay down, you motherfucker. God damn it. I hate you. Simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Oh. <sighs> So uh, now I'm going to quote from unitedfruit.org, which is not their official website. It is a historical society dedicated to, like, mapping out events of the United Fruit Company. Well, it's a .org, not a .com, so. Yeah. So, June 18th, using military bases in Nicaragua, Guatemalan Colonel Carlos Castillo Armas attacks Guatemala in what his supporters called the Liberation War Against Communism. <laughs> the operation was backed by all the other Central American governments and the United States. Castillo succeeded at forcing Arbenz to go to exile and immediately ended the legal actions against the United Fruit Company under the Agrarian Reform Law. Little side note here, 25-year-old Argentinian Ernesto Guevara, also known as Shea, witnessed the coup and becomes convinced that radical changes in Latin America are only possible through armed revolution. Guevara was living in Guatemala at the time, working as a doctor and a bookseller, and he volunteered to organize resistance militias against Castillo's army. When facing an ine inevitable defeat, he escaped from Guatemala to Mexico, where he meets another political refugee who will also become one of his closest friends, Mr. Fidel Castro. Che Guevara, a lot of people treat him like this, like, murderous psycho. But he was, of, of the communist revolutionaries at the time, Che Guevara was one of the most, like, pacifistic guys. Like, he fought, but he, he didn't like it. He was very upset about it the whole time. And as a doctor, uh, felt very conflicted, even after um, the revolution about the execution of, like, all those Batista followers in Cuba. Like, he's he's a good guy. <laughs> like, he gets yeah. painted as this fucking terrorist, but he was legitimately just a decent guy trying to make people's lives better. And he watched his... He watched a country that he's living in literally crumble under the fascist boot heel for even trying to make some people's lives a little better. Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, our Benz went from here bouncing around the world to try to, like, you know, stay safe. Yeah. Uh, he spoke at Good public luck. events in Havana in uh, 1960 after the Cuban Revolution. In 1965, he was invited to the Communist Congress in Helsinki. And in 1970, he had come down with, like, a really mysterious illness and died very soon oh, after. What? Did he die of a heart attack in the bathroom? It was a heart attack gun. It was the CIA heart attack Did he gun. die because of a suicide? No one can really agree and come to a conclusion. Uh, so that's kind of innocuous, but... No. James G. Yeah, James G. Angleton, really like, strangled him to death, and then put a big sticker on his chest that said, I died of a heart attack. That's, yeah. that's how it got reported. Yeah. So, from here, Armaz, Hitler mustache... Mm -hmm. Became president of Guatemala and ruled as an iron fist authoritarian ruler. What? Setting up the National Committee of Defense Against Communism, the CDNCC, which investigated nearly 70,000 people, most of whom were imprisoned, executed, or just 
up and disappeared without a trial. Disappeared almost like yeah. they did in the USSR. Uh, yeah. uh, mm, uh, almost like what they were doing in America. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh. It's almost like whenever you have a major power like this who is like, hey, we need to find these people. It's always bad. It's almost like if you just say they're communists, you can arrest whoever you want. Yeah. So well, yeah, the, the funny thing is, is uh, also he passed Decree 59, which permitted security forces to arrest anyone on the CDNCC's blacklist and hold them for six months without trial. I'm sure I'm sure as soon as six months uh, wrapped around, they were like, all right, you're free to go or we'll charge you. And they definitely weren't already dead in a ditch somewhere or yeah. in a, you know, some sort of fucking oubliette deep underneath uh, a government yeah. building. I'm sure that never happened. Yeah. Um, the number, no they got let the number, a hole in their head. the number of suspected communists on this blacklist was one out of every ten adults in the country. I, you know what? I wish there were that many communists, but there simply aren't. There simply yeah. are not that yeah. many communists in the world, and never have been. Yep. So he also outlawed all political parties, labor unions, and peasant or organizations. Uh, he removed illiterate people's right to vote, which was two-thirds of the country. Tyler, this sounds like what the Nazis did, though. That's, that yeah, can't this be right. Sounds like He's really living up to the mustache. Super anti-democratic. I love, I love that he's just like, what? how can I boil down my entire political ideology into a single piece of facial hair? Got it. He sure did. Fucking got it. Nailed it. Uh, Armand's head of security... Or head of a secret police, I should say, because any government that sets up a secret police obviously keeps everything above board. Mm -hmm. uh, Jose Linares said uh, they said to have used electric shock baths and steel skull caps as torture devices. Because, as we all know, torture is the best way to make sure that somebody is actually a criminal. I think you mean yeah, enhanced no, interrogation, interrogation techniques. Exactly. Uh, I'm going to quote again, quote, opposition to his government drew during Castillo Armas presidency. On Labor Day in 1956, members of the government were booed off stage at a labor rally, while officials who had previously been in the Arbenz administration were cheered. The Guatemalan Communist Party began to recover underground and became prominent in the opposition. Overall, the government had to deal with four serious rebellions in addition to the coup attempt by cadets in 1954. On the 25th of June, 1956, government forces opened fire on student protesters, killing six people and wounding a large number. Castillo Armas responded by declaring a, quote, state of siege and revoked all civil liberties. On advice of the U.S. ambassadors, the protests were portrayed as a communist plot. Yep. Awesome. It's, it sounds... <sighs> Sounds like yeah. J. Edgar Hoover had his fingers in it. It's, it's a communist plot. Yeah. Um, I like I like how anti-communist fervor in America has always achieved, um, like quality and profitable outcomes for everybody involved. Yep. But it's it it gets a little bit better. It gets a little bit a hard better time here. To that, Tyler. Uh, July 26, 1957, uh, he was the victim of high-speed lead poisoning at his presidential palace by a man named Romeo Sanchez, who is a member of the Presidential Guard. It sounds like a very acute case of lead poisoning. Yeah, very high-speed lead poisoning. Yeah. 
So rest and piss. And um, yep. Yeah, so that's where I'm gonna kind of end for this episode. Oh wait, there's another episode. There's gonna be another. We're gonna talk about uh, we're, we're gonna talk about uh, some pesticides that they use. <laughs> oh. Uh, oh, I hate wow. you. Is are these were these pesticides possibly produced by another company that we had previously spoken about? Yeah, I'm not, we've talked about them. We didn't do an episode about them, but uh, it's a, it's a three letter three letter word that, that's spelled D O W. Gak. Um. Oh, goodness <laughs> gracious. Well, yeah. we'll we'll have to talk about them more in depth in the future then. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll get to I'll get to it next episode. Don't worry, my baby birds. I'll uh, I'll feed you next week. Okay. So yeah, that's uh that was kind of the the history and the leading up to uh yeah you know, leading up to uh, when they decided to change brands like when uh like when Kobe went from twenty four to number eight because twenty four uh, was the rapist. Twenty four was the rapist. Eight is the regular Kobe. Eight Bryant. is the deceased father. Yep. And we'll talk about how they changed over from uh, being known as United Fruit because that had some uh, some bad connotations eventually, uh, and changed it to Chiquita Banana. Came up Chiquita with a real, r- real fucking, r- real catchy, uh, real catchy. Jingle it is catchy. You're not gonna, I'm gonna lie. lie. It's yeah. very, very catchy. catchy. Catchy jingle, cute, cute mascot. What else could you ask for? Oh, maybe for you to not have slaughtered all of those South American people. That's a pretty tall order there, boss. Um, Tyler, oh, do yeah. we have a call to action for this episode? I mean, like, not particularly. I mean, like, I don't want to be the dude like, oh, don't buy any fucking bananas. Because, like, but, you know, it doesn't fucking matter. Like, you're not going to change anything by not buying bananas. Um, yeah, they sell too many bananas. Exactly. Like, it's not... It's, As a guy who used fucking... to have to stock bananas, nobody, like... Everybody would have to stop buying bananas. Yeah, it, it, literally yeah. everyone. Yeah, I mean, there's really no call to action because... What you should do is you should cultivate a fungal strain that could wipe out all bananas because they're so genetically similar that, that one really virulent uh, strain could destroy the entire uh, global banana population. Oh, we'll, we'll get into that next episode when they had the switch to the uh, now known as the Cavendish banana because of a uh, fungal infection to banana populations because monoculturing is bad. It's bad. And if all of your bananas are exactly the same, uh, one disease can wipe out literally everything. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, I mean, there. speaking of calls to action, though, there was uh, a couple of days ago um, something called the Belmarsh Tribunal, uh, which was like the spiritual successor of the Russell uh, Sartre uh, tribunals that happened in the 60s where we were talking basically about um, the war crimes that America was uh, perpetrating and its allies were perpetrating um, in places like Vietnam, but also the Global South. Um, that was what the Belmarsh Tribunal focused on, but also um, the the fact that Belmarsh Prison in the UK, which is their version of Guantanamo, is still open. And the fact that Guantanamo is still open. Uh, prisons that are basically used in these cases where somebody... Uh, fights against a corporate interest is labeled a terrorist and then gets black bagged by people uh, in the government that sit on these boards or are paid out by these companies um, for doing the right thing. Uh, usually, I mean, obviously there are some violent people in there, but people like Julian Assange that all they did was let people know about the horrible things that were happening uh, and just get locked up for the rest of their lives for it. Um, so yeah, yeah. maybe uh, give that a look. I know there's like a two and a half hour video on YouTube that you could like peruse, but uh, it's nice to know that there's other people that give a fuck 
about this kind of shit. Yeah. All right. Well. All right. Um, go go bananas. ahead and give uh, give the other shows on the Planet Ant Podcast Network a, a listen. Um, you know, we've got a, a, quite a few shows that release weekly. Uh, check out, uh, you know, just a little, little shout out to uh, the the new podcast Lunch Pilled by Alex Bozanovic and Ooh. Brent Mercer. Uh, who are a couple of local Detroit area comedians who are both very funny. Very funny. Um, give give it a listen. It's it's worth checking out. <clears throat> yep, check them out. Yeah, I think uh, we'll, uh, Brett and Alex also no. have Twitter and Instagram accounts too. I'm sure. Yeah, go ahead follow and give us, us on uh, the. Us a listen. Uh, thanks for follow listening. Follow us, us on the bullshits. Do do all that. Yes, think, the social yep. needs. Yep, go on the emails. go on. Yeah, email us. I don't know. Yeah, why don't you why don't you send us an email? It doesn't, you know what? You don't have to tell us about your work experience. Just tell us you're lonely or how much you just yeah, say hi. Send us say hi. Send us a picture of your dog or something. Yeah, I love that we, shit. We, any any kind of communication, any any confirmation that we're not screaming into a void filled with uh, friends being held at emotional gunpoint. Oh yeah. Yeah. So uh, we'll see you next week. See ya. Yep. Thanks for listening. Bye. Love Bye. you. Kisses. In a spot they would kill for. I could put them in the wheel and they still won't. I could probably get a deal with Coke. If I wasn't rapping about the past back, dealing dope. Got the offer and it's real low. Over one mil and it's still low. They all corporate, they all cute in suits. Yeah, on bullshit with all that poop to scoop. My shit going up. I go root to roof. They don't like that. They want mute the truth. They gon' switch sides. They go group to group. They want shoot the shit. Ain't got shit to shoot till I go crazy. Go and get the baby shark and hit him with the doo 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 damn. Big boy, you gotta shoot it with two hands. Couple John Doe come through like who's man's. Blue ball, nah, she blew it like two grams. Everyone I lose, abuse the fuse hands. I'm right there on the edge of insanity. Overlooking Vegas, overthinking my vanity. You've been throwing shade, I'm enjoying the canopy. Everybody dies, so I live out of fantasy. Yeah, can I talk my shit now? I was playing two hand touch, fuck it up, it's a hit now. Hit the road, do a show, hit a lick, then I skip town Run up in the spot, no dance, and I make them all get down Boy, you need to sit the fuck down, yeah I don't even talk my shit now unless I got a reason Everybody watching like Netflix got a new season I'ma get rich, hit the dealership, get the new bands out Bottom line, 316, like Stone Cold says so. They buried me alive, I was dead broke. I've been living in the no-flex zone. About to make a move, it's a escrow. Cooking in the kitchen, my sauce like magic. My pesto like presto. Off a little bean, that espresso. Little bit of lean, like I'm getting over chest cold. Got no chain, no, I can't chill. A-ball got me feeling like A-mill. Can't stay still, can't feel off a pain kill. Got the little orange pill, not the day quill. They fake with it, they ain't real. They talk about bricks, but they can't build. I'm frank with it, I'm Jake Jill. I only sold gas, I'm Hank Hill. Tank filled with the propane. It's like a 10K grill, it's a throwaway. They never ask if I'm okay, I'm never okay. Everybody wanna cut, it's a dry vocal. I'm anti-love, anti-social. I'm bipolar, I'm bi-coastal. I might buy one and go postal. Can I talk my shit now? I was playing two-hand touch, fuck it up, it's a hit now. When I hit the road, do a show, hit a lick, then I skip town. 
Run up in the spot, no dance, and I make them all get down. Boy, you better sit the fuck down.